The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you. We know that the entrance of your word brings forth light. Let your word be back with your power and fullness of life for us all this morning. Let every sinner under administration be born again. Every sick person be healed. Let every backslider be restored. Let the oppressed be delivered. Let your word come alive to your people. And let the saints be greatly edified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Please have your seats for now. God bless you. I want to thank... Um, Pastor Femi, Apostle Femi, for an opportunity to bring the word of God to, to all this morning. I don't take it for granted. I'm indeed uh, very grateful to him and to uh, the rest of the pastors, ministers, workers, and indeed everyone um, in, in church today. God bless you all. And it's a prayer that indeed our expectations will not be cut short today in Jesus' mighty name. Okay. Um, we're going to go into God's word now. And before we stand up to read God's words, I want you to find a partner. So typically, we can say, tell your neighbor this, but I get sometimes, you know, left or right. You know. So let's find, make, a eye, make an eye contact body partner. So make eye contact with somebody, okay? I didn't say you start winking, you know. The person, not your husband or wife, don't wink. Just say, I just said make eye contact, okay? You have your eye contact body? You have? Okay, let's, let's rise on our feet. As um, you tell your eye contact, eye contact body, we are going to read aloud the word of God. Tell the person, don't mumble. Be bold. So we are going to read this together. So see if I'm going to help us with Matthew 14, verses 22 all the way to 33, New Living Translation. Matthew 14, 22 all the way to 33, New Living Translation. Are we ready? Be what? Let's go. Immediately. yourself a, I mean, a clap, because you guys, you know, I was surprised when you get to that point, like, talking about Jesus, the way you guys raised your voice, I was like, man, these guys are really telling the story. God bless you. God bless you. My, my assignment this morning is um, it's very straightforward and easy. Um, I say easy because it's just a message of encouragement, especially as we begin to close 2022. This is our limited year in Jesus' name. To remind us about a few things of our God, the God we serve, uh, to encourage us, to embolden us, stir up something in us 
that this is still a limited year in Jesus' name. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll pass this message across this morning in Jesus' name. Um, for those of us that come to Thrive, there's no goodie bag today. Let's wait till Thrive. Um, but there's a spiritual goodie bag um, for all of us in Jesus' mighty name. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, come to Thrive. You'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, so let's set up some background for our reading. If you understand what has happened here, you know, it said that immediately Jesus despised his disciples. What happened was he had just finished feeding 5,000 people. And the disciples were a very consummate part of that process of feeding the 5,000. And I think he used um, two loaves and five fish, or five loaves and two fish. Aha. Two loaves and five fish, or five loaves and two fish. Thank you. I was just checking whether you guys were with me. Okay, so this verse, or this verse that we read, did come and was like, okay, let's talk about this to uh, the people. And the natural title for the message will have been Jesus Walks on Water, right? That's a good title for the message, Jesus Walks on Water. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to start. Let's see how we can kind of bring this into the everyday life. So, so I brought up an intro thinking that if we thought about how we talk about children, that, oh, if somebody does something in an adulthood, right, we say, oh, that's how he's been doing since he was small, right? We, did, we say that sometimes, since he was a baby, he's been doing this kind of thing. So I'll tell CMA to bring up my intro slide. So this was what was coming to my mind back then, that um, for people that have done things in their old age, like Moses, Moses did what? He parted the Red Sea, right? Right? So maybe when he was a baby, you know, when the mother wants to take his bath for him, the water would just be parting. Maybe, maybe, I mean, or Jesus walks on water. Could it be that when he wanted to take his bath when he was small, he was always on the water? And the mother would always say, Jesus, take your time, get into the water. Maybe. Okay, but in saying that, you know, we said, you know what, let's stay on a more serious note, you know, what is this reading about today? And we have titled today's teaching, Sermon, uh, Encouragement, as it is written. It is written. And you see the connection in a, in, in a few minutes. And if you're a Gen Z, you could just title it, Where Are My Notes? Okay, if you're Gen Z, you get to you get to understand what. Thank you. You get to understand what that means in a minute. Now, it is written is referring to the notes you've taken over the year. You know the voice notes, the sermon notes, prayer verses, prayer notes, testimonies, the visions you've had, the dreams that you've had. You know even the I am confessions that we talk about uh, every at the end of every service. If you don't have any notes at all, raise your hand. That means everybody has some kind of notes you've taken this year. So as we go into today's reading, the disciples have basically encountered a storm. Okay? And storms are not new in the Bible. We know about the storm that affected Job, that God replenished him at the end with twice what he had before. We know about the, the storm in the parable that Jesus talked about that the wind came and the rain came, and because the house was on a solid foundation, it was blown away, and God will pray, will pray that all our endeavors will be on a solid foundation in Jesus' mighty name. We know about the storm that happened to Jonah, that he ended up in the belly of the fish, and then God used him. We know about the storm that Jesus silenced. No, this was not that story. There was another storm that Jesus was sleeping in the boat, remember? And then they woke him up, and Jesus silenced that storm. The Lord will silence all the storms in your life in Jesus' mighty name. We know about the storm that Paul went through that, shook, uh, that uh, wrecked his ship and he went on an island as part of his journey in the Acts of Apostles. So that's many stories about storms in the Bible, but one thing was consistent. One thing was sure. It was that God wanted to get everyone out of the storms. If he will use them to grow you, he will, but the ultimate thing is he gets you out of that storm. And it's a prayer that whatever the enemy wants to use for evil in your life, that God will turn it to good in Jesus' mighty name. 
Okay, so the, the question now is, when there are storms, right, like the one that Jesus kind of, um, Jesus quelled, even this one and the one who was sleeping in the boat. If I ask the question that, um, can Jesus go against the Father? It's not a trick question, yes or no? No, he won't. He won't go against the Father, right? And did he rebuke the storm? Yes. Did the storm stop? So, who sent the storm? Can he rebuke what the Father has sent? God won't confuse himself. He's a very steadfast God. So, it's the enemy that comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And John 10, 10 tells us the Lord comes to give life and give it abundantly. You have life and you have it abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. So let's picture this story together. John and Mark also talks about this story, about um, Jesus walking on water. So after feeding the 5,000 in the evening, right? So he said he was sending the people away. So let's assume maybe he finished feeding the 5,000 about 6, 7 in the evening. You know, dispatch everybody. There will still be one person waiting behind to say, pray for me more, do this. So dispatch everybody. And then he sent them away onto the boat. And in the real sense of it, they got into the boat about, what, eight, nine? And it was clear in that reading that it says, after three, about 3 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the water. Can you imagine professional fishermen? For six hours at least, pushing and rowing. It's not fun. This is a journey that probably will have taken two hours on a good day. The Bible tells us they had gone about three or four miles. So you can imagine professional fishermen rowing for almost six to seven hours continuously because they had encountered a storm and they had encountered headwinds. In real life today, this could mean, you know, challenges that we have, things that normally would have been easy for us, that we think that we were challenged as we go through life. This kind of resistance, this kind of winds, they, they kind of get us tired. They blow our goals. We are not sure that we can get to, the, to achieve what we want to achieve, let's say by December. They introduce doubts into our minds. So when we say that God will sign the storms in your life, we really mean it. God will silence the storms in your life in Jesus' mighty name. In your home, it will silence the storms. In your family, it will silence them. In your health, in your relationships, in your work with him, in your work, in your career, in your studies, the Lord will silence the storms. In your business opportunities, in your projects, it will silence all the storms. We're going to talk about three things to help us on this journey, to help us to understand that the Lord is with us, to help us understand that he wants to silence all the storms. And the first thing we'll say is, our first point, if you're taking notes, is accept the fact that God put you here to settle your soul, not to sink you. Accept the fact that God put you here to settle your soul, not to sink you. Why do we say this? We know from a sure thing that the first verse we read, we said, Jesus made, he compelled them, he insisted that they get into the boat. It wasn't the disciples that said, okay, Jesus, we're leaving you now, we're going. No, he insisted, so he sent them on that journey. There are things that God has sent you on this year, and it will get you through. It will not sink you in Jesus' name. Okay, so a quick thing about, a few things to learn about Jesus. So he was about to pray. He wasn't going to take that for granted. So we could learn a few things from the habits of Jesus. You know, he says that seeking solitude was an important priority for Jesus. He made room in his busy schedule to do that. Consistency. Consistency. Spending time with God in prayer nurtures a vital relationship with him for all of us. It equips us to meet life challenges. We must develop the discipline to pray all the time, just like Jesus did. Jesus, we saw here that he was there for at least six hours. I don't think he was talking for six hours all the way. I don't think so. I think he did talk, pray, but then he stayed and listened too. 
communicating with the Father. Consistency is key. When we pray too, we don't have to pray for six hours, but one thing is sure, we must pray consistently and must give time to God, for God to speak back to us when we pray to him. So, consistency in prayer and the other things that God might have told you to be consistent on this, consistent on this year. Is it in reading your Bible? Is it in serving? It could even be in giving consistently. For everything that God has asked you to be consistent about, there is a reward out of it. Giving might be tough, there might be headwinds for you to give consistently. Stay in there. God does not owe anyone. He will get you. He will replenish your bands. He will fill your vats with new wine in Jesus' mighty name. Be consistent. So, as we go into the rest of the reading, it says here that my second point for us out of the three is you may be stressed by the struggle, but remember, you are not outside the scope of God's interest. You are not outside the scope of God's interest. That's the second point for today. You are not outside the scope of God's interest. And why are we confident to say this? We know that while Jesus was even praying, if you read that, those verses very well, they say he saw them. So there's a way the geography of, the geography of that uh, location is that there's a place where you can climb. If you ask the historians, where Jesus was and where they were on the disciples were on that sea, crossing that um, uh, the Sea of Galilee, that you could actually see three to five, four miles away that, oh, these guys are still in the water. They've not even gotten to the other side yet. So Jesus sees you. He knows what you're struggling with and he will come to you in Jesus' mighty name. But the disciples were consistent. Back to consistency. They were rowing from the time that Jesus left them to the time he came to meet, meet them, for six hours at least, they kept on pushing, pushing. The assignment that the Lord had given them, they kept on progressing, trying to make sure they, they get it done. What is your own rowing? What is that thing you are doing consistently to make sure you can get the things that God has put in your hands to the finish line? Are you rowing your, by prayer, interceding for people? Are you rowing by exercising your health, fitness? You know, we talked about um, securing the limited future. Excuse me. I'm talking about fitness. Is this something that you're working towards? God wants to use you in your, in your later stages in life. Stay healthy. Is it praying for people? Is it writing that book, getting that certification, starting that new business, you know, service in church? Anything that God, that you've made a plan to that, this year, I'll get there. Is it giving? Back to giving. Giving sacrificially. God will help us to be consistent and rule in the mighty name of Jesus as he comes towards us. In 26 and 27, it says that the disciples saw him walking on the water and they were terrified. And they cried out, it's a ghost. You know, when we read things like this, like we're we very confident that ah, ah, these guys... Why are they so cowardly, you know? Why? These people did not know the end of the story. We know. That's why we can just read it like that. If you see somebody walking on water towards you, you will do the same thing. Won't you? Or you'll be like, oh, now this is Jesus coming. No. you first of all be like, what's happening here? Imagine yourself on, on a plane, maybe you're traveling to Abuja or London, and there's turbulence. Serious, you know those serious turbulence where you start to speak in tongues? And then you look out of the window and you see your house fellowship leader sitting on the wing of the plane. What do you think? <laughs> because you don't know the end of the story, right? So, so it, it's going to look strange. I mean, you're going to be like, what's happening? Are we in heaven already? Uh, you know? So these guys were not sure what they were seeing. You know, they were like, well, it's, it's, it's a ghost. You know, but, you know, sometimes in life, right, in a journey with God, what we think is a ghost that terrifies us, that is coming towards us, is actually the solution. It's actually the solution. And I say that because it could be something as simple as you are going through a hard time and you just decide, you know, you are just going through some period, tough period, and something drops in your heart. You know, 
let me fast for two days and pray about this thing. And in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I'm talking about, you're talking about fasting. You're telling yourself, talking about fasting. I'm trying to get this problem solved. I can't even get three meals a day. You know, I'm trying to solve this problem. You're talking about fasting. That might be the solution. It might look like a problem, but it might be the solution that God is putting in your heart. It could be something as simple as, you know, you're having some issues with some people, and something drops in your heart that extend the olive branch. I think somebody gave a testimony like that recently, and God sorted it out, right? You might think this will just escalate issues and make things worse, but that might just be the solution. I pray that God will open our eyes to see solutions coming towards us in Jesus' mighty name. And in, in 27, he talks about the fact that at once, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Take courage, I'm here. Jesus is not interested in stressing us out. You know, he's not. It's not like, you know, you're screaming, it's a ghost, I'm terrified, and he's just watching you and just rubbing his hands that ha, ha, ha. No, he's not doing that. He immediately comforted them. Immediately. The Lord will comfort you in Jesus' mighty name. And, and, and he still does that today. You know, the messages you hear in church, when you go to your house fellowship, when you read your devotional, those are areas where Jesus keeps comforting you all the time. It could be just a kind word from somebody. The Lord has put that word in that person's mouth. And the Lord will continue to comfort us in Jesus' mighty name. As we continue to go, in 28 and 29, it talks about, Then Peter called unto the Lord and said, Is it really you? Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come. Jesus said, and Peter came by the side of the boat and started walking on the water. If the story ended here, it would have been a super story. You know, we're talking about it now that, man, this guy had faith. He believed in Jesus, stepped on the water, he walked on the water. End of story. But it didn't end there. Peter still had a couple of lessons to, to teach us. The first lesson here for me is, how did he want Jesus to answer that question? Think about it. Let's, let's pull up verse 28 again. How did he want Jesus to answer that question? Without lying. He says, no, no, verse 20, it says, Then Peter called to Jesus, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you. What do you want Jesus to say? It's not me. I mean, he asked him a question, if it's really you. He can't say it's not me, so don't come. He virtually forced Jesus to say yes. Because the, other, the only other answer is, it's not me, and that would be lying. So it is me. So the follow-up question is, oh yeah, enter the water and start coming. So sometimes, the way we ask God for things, you know, maybe we set ourselves up sometimes, but God is always faithful. He will always get us through. And we pray that God will give us the wisdom and the revelation to ask the right things at the right time in Jesus' mighty name. So our ability to believe and have faith comes from the word of God. Jesus is that word of God, right? And hanging out with Jesus builds our faith. Peter had been hanging out with him along with the rest of the disciples. So he knew the powers that Jesus had. He knew the things that Jesus could do. But Jesus did challenge him and talked about the fact that, you know, he didn't have enough faith. He doubted him. And we know there is one common verse about faith that most people know in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's pull that up. Hebrews 11.1. 1. This time we're going to read from the AMPC, Amplified um, Bible. Hebrews 11 and 1. It says here now that now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Mark that word, title deed, C of O, of the things we hope for, for being the, go ahead, being the proof of things that we do not see and the conviction of their reality. The proof of things that we do not see and the conviction of their reality. So faith is like a title deed, right? So the question is, what title deeds has God given you that you are not using? Which is why we come to the notes. What title deeds has God given you that you are not using? Look, we use title deeds all the time. In faith, in everything, a lot of things that we do daily. But you don't look at it that way. It's, it's things that are the evidence of what you can't see, but you know it's there. Let's put up that slide about it is written on title, on title deeds. Something that we do every day. For example, let's say the police stops you 
on the road and ask for the, your vehicle particulars, right? What do you show them? You show them a piece of paper, right? That shows that this vehicle belongs to Mr. X or Mrs. Y. So was the policeman then when you bought the car? He wasn't. He doesn't know where or how you got the car, whether it was a gift. He doesn't know. But because of that document, he can't challenge you anymore because you have the right document. If you go to the ATM machine, for example, and you have your ATM card, there's a number, a PIN that you have. Can you see the money at the ATM? But you know the money is in the bank. So you put your ATM card in, and you punch the numbers, right? And the money comes out. Okay? That ATM and your PIN number, that's your title deed. It's your evidence. You know that if I do this, money will come out. You couldn't see the money. Let's go further. If, if you go to the bank and you want to borrow some money to start a business, an investment, and they say bring collateral, and you say, okay, this is the collateral for this property, this land, okay, I want you to start this business. Does the bank manager see the land? No. Do you carry the house to the bank and say, this is the house? What do you take there? A CFO. So you're acting in faith, you are showing a title deed to prove something that exists. So we do this all the time. If you stop somebody your passport at the point of entry, you are going to Ghana, going to the, um, to the US, going to Dubai, and you show your passport that this, at the point of entry, this proves that I'm a Nigerian and I have the right to be here with your visa in it. The officer at that point of entry, it wasn't there when you applied for your visa. It wasn't there when you pick up your passport. But because of that title deed that you have in there, he can't challenge you and you have right of access. We always write right of access in Jesus' mighty name. And as we talk about these things that we do and we're used to in everyday life, why is it that when it comes to things of the spirit that affect us, we don't use our title deeds? Why? Why? You know, it's for you to use them. The notes you've taken through the year, they are your title deeds for every challenge you're going through. We've gone through sermons, teaching, taking notes on made for more, what to live by, the turning point, this same Jesus, securing a limited future, even tribe. There are notes that you take that if something happens, something as simple as by stripes I'm healed, it is written. That's a title deed. Something as simple as he that dwelleth in the secret of the most I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a title deed. Something as simple as you keep your angels charge over me, I will not dash my foot against a stone. That's a title deed. Those are things that you use to counter the wings of life. So where are your notes? Where is it written that you want to hold on to, to these things? If you don't have any notes at all, you can't even remember the notes. Let's pull up the I am confessions. Everybody here knows this, unless you're a visitor. And if you're a visitor here, God bless you. You will know it by the end of this service. These are title deeds. If you go somewhere and somebody is trying to prove a point to you that, you know, we're not going to attend to you today. And you pull up, I'm approved as a title deed. And you start to speak to it. It's a title deed. It's an evidence of something that you know you'll get at the end of the day. But you have to show that evidence. You can't just go to the ATM, card, an ATM machine and be saying, I have money in GT Bank. I have money in Stambic Bank. And tell him, yeah, give me my money. No, now. They won't answer you now. Or you want to start telling the policeman that, do you know who I am? It's my car. You show your document and you proceed. When you encounter those winds, those things that challenge you, and you pick up, I'm delivered. And you open Psalm 34, verse 4, and read it. And keep telling yourself, telling the situation, this is it. it is written, I am delivered. That is your title deed. You challenge the situation with that. So remember, keep your notes. Remember your notes. That is your title deed. That is what builds your faith. And, and, and as, as we go along, we see, in verse 30, it talks about, you know, Peter saw the strong wind and the waves and was terrified and he began to sink. 
there are subtle things in the Bible that you need to understand. It didn't say Peter sank. He began to sink. Have you ever seen anybody enter a swimming pool? In fact, anybody in soccer cell here? Soccer cell, I need somebody that can jump. Any volunteers of, um, of, of, of jumping? Come, Sunday. Come. I won't let you jump from too, too high a place. So just, just watch, watch this analogy, right? Okay? Can, can you jump from that place? It's too low for you, right? No, no. Get on top of it. Can you jump from the higher one? Can you jump from there? Okay. Lawyers in the house. He said he can jump. <laughs> okay. If you are, he said, can you jump from here? Okay, good. Okay, watch, watch him. So, okay, so jump. Let's assume that was the swimming pool he jumped into. Before he even say began, he has landed. So the Bible didn't say Peter sang. It began to sing. To sink. It was gradual. So it's not that Peter was afraid of drowning. Peter can swim. Oh, he can. How do I know he can swim? A fisherman. But apart from that, the Bible, see this Bible eh? Let's go to John 21, 7 to 8. John 21, 7 to 8. It says here that then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Then Peter had what that it was the Lord. He put on his tunic for it was stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boats and pulled the load of the net, the fish into the into the to shore. And he said, Pull the load, pull the loaded net to the shore. For they were only about a hundred yards from shore. So Peter swam a hundred yards to the shore. A hundred yards is about 94 meters. Okay? For people that know how to swim, it's like swimming from, maybe from here, all the way to the main road. So Peter knew how to swim. The Bible shows us. Okay? So if someone that knows how to swim enters water, and enters just like it jumped one time. Of course, it was swimming. But the Bible says it began to sink. That means at this point in time, it was the change in situation that panicked Peter. Not the fact that he was going to be able to he could swim. It was the fact that ah, I was walking here before now. This thing is at my ankle. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> it entered my knee. Oh. Ah, it's my waist. Oh. Baba, help me now. Help me. That is what happened. It was a gradual. It wasn't a was a gradual process. And what does this tell us? The things that happen to us in storms, they don't just happen like that. Our faith can be high and it can be low. The more you listen to God's words, the more consistent you are, the more you build your faith. The more you build your faith. The more you build your faith. And if you don't do that, your faith actually can be reducing. can be. But it's my prayer that you be consistent and you keep building your faith in Jesus' mighty name. But one thing that came out of that is, you know, Jesus still responded, you know, I mean, he, the fact that Peter was gradually sinking, it, it wasn't a, it didn't make him a failure. It was just a situation that, you know, he didn't handle very well. You know, similar to, you know, we use GPS, I mean, Google Maps, and we key something and we're going on the road. And you miss your turn. Google Maps or your GPS doesn't start saying, ah, ah, you have missed it. Ah, oh boy, look at this guy. What are you doing? It doesn't say that. You know, what does he do? He starts to recalculate. He starts to tell you immediately that next turn, you can take the next right turn. That's how God is. He doesn't look at you and like, ah, look at this guy. What, 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 what are you doing? No. Immediately he's looking at how can I solve this guy's problem? How can I help him? And God will continue to help us in that way, in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, we will make mistakes, but we are not failures. And we are not mistakes. And Jesus knows that. So, as we continue on this journey of consistency, you know, um, there's something that comes to mind about how we all started the year. You know, the things that we knew when we started the year. 
and, and I'll read that from Galatians 3 and 3, uh, the Good News Translation. Galatians 3 and 3. It says here, how, okay, good. How can you be so foolish? And you will not be foolish in Jesus' name. You began by God's spirit. Do you now want to finish by your own power? God will help you to finish in Jesus' name. That everything God has put in your heart, January, February, March, your goals this year, that you seek sort of faith, you said this and you're going to accomplish it. If you are using it by your power right now, God will help you and help you to complete it in the spirit in Jesus' mighty name. It's not by power, not by might, but my spirit, says the Lord. It says in verse 4 that did all your experience mean nothing at all? Surely it meant something. You starting the year spiritually, you end the year spiritually in Jesus' mighty name. The experiences you've had, the testimonies you've had, they count. These are things that have happened to, have happened to you through the year that you've seen God's hand consistently. They are part of your notes. They're part of the things that keep you grounded. You have to remember those promises. You have to remember those testimonies. They are like your altars, the things that you go to, that you say, because of this, this will happen. Why am I saying this? Many examples of those in the Bible. Remember the story of David? You know, when, when David um, went to, um, uh, Saul was still king then, and he first encountered with Goliath. Okay? We know for sure that um, in 1 Samuel 17, we won't read it, uh, it talks about the fact that, Jesus, that, that David was only a boy, and Goliath was a fighting machine from his youth. But David said something. He talked about the fact that when the lion came, when the lamb came, I did this, I did that, I grabbed my lamb from the jaw of the lion. He did that, right? But I know the day he said something that the Lord who rescued me from the claw of that lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. That is when Saul now said, all right, go ahead. David, at that time, could have just been singing that song that we normally sing that, now I'm standing here only because of you. Because he had testimonies and experiences to counter whatever Saul was saying, whatever was physically there. Your testimonies are part of your notes. You should keep them. And it is clear, if you really search deep, whatever storm you are going through right now, check. There's something in your life that God has done that probably surpasses that issue we have right now. Check very well. There is. That's an altar. Bring it before God. When we say God will do it again, it's not just for, for saying. It's you're challenging God. It's like a title deed too. You've done this before. You can do it again. Find those things. Keep them. They're part of your notes. Write them down. And as, as you go in, you know, what are you telling yourself? From your notes, what you've written, your experience, what are you telling yourself? You know, and I'll take us to biology class now. The doctors in the house, please back me up here. If I go off on a tangent, let me know. And if you study biology, I'm sure you understand what they're saying. So I'll bring up the, the air, you know. How many of you know that the way you sound to yourself is different from the way you sound to other people? Have you ever played back your own recording on your phone? Does it sound like you? But that's what people are hearing. So the way you hear yourself is different from the way other people hear you. So, we talked about Peter stumbling, right, and sinking a bit. There's a part of the air that is called the inner air, okay? And it helps with balance, okay? I mean, I won't use all the big grammar here. Leave that for the doctors. But there's something in the inner air that helps with balance, okay? It's the main hearing organ. That's how you hear yourself, because it is inside. The ones that people say from the outside, you can hear it. But the ones you hear from yourself, that's what keeps your balance. Combined with your vision, that's how you don't stumble. So what are you telling yourself? 
what are you telling yourself to keep your balance? Very important. And I say that because if you read Psalm 119, verse 165 in the New Translation, Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, those who love your instructions have great peace and they do not stumble. That means they are balanced. So instructions of God. Tell yourself God's instruction. In John 16, 1, it amplified. It says, I've told you these things so that you will not stumble. That means so that you will be balanced and you will not be caught off guard. You will not be caught off guard in Jesus' mighty name. So what does that mean? What are you telling yourself from your own inner ear? What, trust me, what you say out, you know, if things happen around you and people are talking about it, it's not as powerful as when you talk about it to yourself. Because the more you talk about it yourself, the more you start to believe it. The more it starts to affect your balance. So remember, watch what you tell yourself. If you read your notes as it is written, then you are reaffirming yourself in God's word. You are enhancing your own stability. You are making sure you don't stumble. Remember, your notes, that it is written, read them, prophesy them, speak them to yourself. And the Lord will keep you balanced in Jesus' mighty name. And there's something here that I took written in my notes. And for some reason, it was like, ah, I'll remove it. And it was like, the Holy Spirit was telling me, no, leave it there. And it's a word of caution. It says here that the ministry of faith is in a pure conscience. I don't know who that is for. It's for somebody. And it says here, a pure conscience includes being quick to forgive. If that is you, I've done my message. I've done my own assignment. So let's continue. It says here that um, some more examples of how it is written works. Joshua, you know, sometimes it's better not to say anything if you're in a corporate environment and there is a move than to use your own negative it is written to cancel what God is doing. You know, give, let me give you an example. Wall of Jericho. The children of Israel went around it three times, right? Uh, seven times, right? And after this, they, they shouted and then the walls came down. Do you know there is a part in that place that talks about it? Joshua 6 verse 10. Let's put it up so that in case you... It says, Joshua was giving them instructions. It says, do not shout. Do not even talk. Why they were going around. Why? Because some of them start telling everybody and telling themselves, why are we doing this? I don't understand this, Joshua. Self. We're just walking around. How will this wall crumble? What is this? Let's go and find cutlass. Let's attack this wall. He said, keep quiet. Don't say anything. Did the walls come down? So, even if you don't understand and there's a move, there's a positive move, it's better, better not to say anything that will negate the move. Okay? Another example, Abraham. God has given us a name in Jesus' mighty name. Do you know that the difference between the first time God told Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations, he was 75 years old. Between 75 and 99, Father Abraham, I know, I knew you did it, but I'll say it. He had gone to sleep with his house help and give her belly, gave birth. Abi, is in the Bible now? Okay. He had done. To, he had gone to places where um, he had denied his wife and said, "No, this is my sister." Right? He had. Um, what else did he do again? He had. I mean, Abraham had done a lot of things. Twenty-five years later, God said, "Oga." Let me help your ministry. I will give you a name that is Abraham. Abraham means what? Father of many nations. He told him that 25 years before. So what happens? That means every time Abraham wants to introduce himself, what does he say? I'm the father of... What was he doing? He was talking to himself now. Who are you? I'm the father of many nations. He had started talking to himself, saying to his inner ear, this promise that God has given me, I'm the father of many nations and father of many nations. God did that intentionally. Every promise that he has put in your heart, find a way to keep voicing it out. Keep saying it. It will come to pass. 
Find a way. Okay? Should we try more? One more? Okay. Let's talk about even angels. We don't worship angels. You know that, right? But let's go to Psalm 103, verse 20. KJV. It says, Bless the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. You have a voice, right? And you have God's word that is written. When you say those things, the angels key because it's God's word. It's the same way you go to the ATM machine and punch in your PIN number, one, two, three, four. By the way, that's not my PIN number. If you think it is, it's not. One, two, three, four, right? The bank knows it's one, two, three, four. You know it's one, two, three, four. By the time you two connect, your ATM brings your machine out. So if God says, I'll give my angels charge over you, do not dash your foot against the stone. And you enter a challenge, and you're saying, Father, you said you give your angels charge over me, I'll not dash my foot against the stone. They'll bear me up in their hands, I'll not dash my What do the angels have to do? That's it. They have to echo to the voice of God's command. Because they are aligned with God's word, aligned with the command, they activate. Say the things that you've written down to help your own ministry. And God will help you do that in Jesus' name. Should we go on? One more. Okay. Let's talk about you yourself. Let's talk about you. Okay. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I think um, we have it on the slides. It says, um, don't worry about anything, right? And um, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him. Pray, praying, telling God and thanking him. Are those not things that you say based on what you've written down? You are praying because there are prayer points that you've written down. You are telling God what you need because of your prayer points. You are thanking him because of the testimonies you've written down and you've documented. And then what happens after that? You experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. This is one way to activate your own it is written too. So when you are reading this, you are putting your name there. I, Balaji, will not worry about anything. Instead, I'm praying to you, God, about everything. I'm telling you what I need. I'm thanking you for doing X, Y, Z for me. And in that process, it's peace saturates you. It's peace saturates you. Takes away all the worry and all the cares. Use your notes. Everything you've written this year that honors God, use it. As we begin to close, there are some things that, you know, that enhances storms around us. And it's your duty to make sure that you don't enhance those things. There's no point listening to the news 24-7. Trust me. If you listen to CNN for five hours, it's depressing. There's some things you don't need to do. They just escalate the storms around you. Take that into your own hands. Yes, you should be current. You should have no current affairs. But don't soak yourself with unnecessary information that you know about already. Okay, they have said something has happened here. Thank you. I pray for them. God will help them. If I can help them, help them. But you know, don't start going detail by detail. The first thing that got there, how did he bring out the gun? Who did he shoot first? What happened here? It's not my business. It has happened. Don't focus on things that stir up the storm. You read too much of those things, watch more of those things, and then even to enter a bus, you are now afraid that, oh, everywhere is one chance, so everything is going to happen. No, now. You came here today. Did you enter one chance? You came in your car. You came in your, in your public transport and you got here. So, don't overdo on social media. And the last point here as we close is the presence of the Lord is the solution. The presence of the Lord is the solution. And that comes from the fact that at the end, God quells all the winds. The Lord will quell all the winds in your life in Jesus' name. It says in verses 32 and 33 that they climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. The presence of the Lord will stop the winds in your life in Jesus' name. And the disciples worshipped him. Yes, you are the son of God. As we close, I'll just ask you that, yes, Peter did fail. 
in that instant, but Jesus reached out to him. And he's the only one that can help you. Yes, he was afraid. He cried out. Jesus helped me. You know, when things, fears, issues pile up against us as waves, causing us to doubt whether Jesus is there, I'm assuring you that he is there. He's willing to help you. You just need to remember that he's always with you. And as we remember these three points that we've talked about, one is accept the fact that God has put you here to settle you. God didn't put you here to sink you. You are not outside the scope of God's interests. And the presence of Jesus is the solution. I'd like to pray for two sets of people here this morning. The first set is, if you don't even know this Jesus we're talking about at all, you know, you don't even know the Jesus we're talking about, you, you've not encountered him personally, you know, you don't know what we're talking about, title deeds, how can I activate my title deeds as a son of God? All heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're that person that you want Jesus in your boat, I want you to invite him today into your life. Just raise your hands. I'm not going to tell you to stand up. If you're online too, just indicate to the online pastors. Raise your hand. There'll be an usher beside you to give you a white card. You want Jesus in your life at this time. You want Jesus in your boat to help you. His presence calms all the storms. Just raise your hand at this time and you get a white card from the usher. God bless you. If you're online, Please indicate to the online pastors. God bless you. Raise your hand and get that card. Father, we thank you for, for this one. Ask that you indeed show yourself strong and mighty in their life. Bring them into your fold. Hide them in your secret place. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Second set of people we are praying together are if you are going through any kind of storm at this time. Just keep your ears bowed and just say, save me, Lord. Just say, save me, Lord. Just like Peter did. You know, just say, save me, Lord. The Bible says that a bruised reed, it will not break. A smoldering wick, it will not extinguish. The Lord will save you. Father, we thank you for your children. We ask, Lord, that whatever storm that you are in, Father, you provide guidance for them in their spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. That you replenish their souls. That, Father, you make their bones fat. That you will make them like a well-watered garden. That you, Father in heaven, will make them like a spring that is water, water fills not. That you calm every storm in every situation they are in. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Remember, your notes, it is written. Use them to build your faith. Use them to counter the storms. God bless you.